and welcome to Possibilities, the show where we give people living with a variety of different abilities and their loved ones a space to share their lives with the world. Thank you for joining us today, and here's your host, Danny Steves. Thank you, Mandy, and welcome to today's episode of Possibilities. Today we're going to talk about accessible media because I believe um, there's a huge gap in the accessible media spectrum and you may be thinking, um, Danny, what is accessible media? Well, accessible media is really anything that that um that goes along with media, it, but it has to do with uh it can be adapted to people with disabilities. Now, there's a college in, in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, which has a program all about accessible media. And you may, and you may recall those of you who've been following following me on YouTube for a while. Um, you may recall me uh, sitting down and talking to Gavin 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 was a, a graduate of, of this now, uh, joining me today is Jennifer Junkie. She's uh, the teacher of the accessible media pro program at Mohawk College. And she's going to be pumping popping in um, and telling me all about the accessible media for a little bit about how we can get more engagement of people with disabilities in the media and all kinds of stuff related to media and disability. So, should be, should be an interest, should be an interesting conversation coming up here with Jennifer and I'll, I'll be right, I'll be back in a second here with Jennifer, so stay 
Coon. And welcome back to Possibilities. Joining me now is the professor of the Accessible Media Program at Mohawk College, Jennifer Junkie. Uh, welcome to Possibilities, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Danny. I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, my pleasure. So I thought I thought we might start off by first telling me what Mohawk College Accessible Media Program is all about. For sure. So the Accessible Media Production Graduate Certificate Program is an eight-month executive delivery program that supports individuals who are usually working in their respective fields but want to gain more knowledge about accessibility. So we've had students in the medical field, in graphic designs, in computer technology, in communications, in television broadcasting, and they want to advance their skills to learn how they can do their job or their career with more of an accessibility focus. And so the students go through an eight-month program where they learn everything from how to create documents that are accessible, how to caption, how to write description, how to write in plain and inclusive language. They learn about assistive technologies and about how to create content so that it's accessible on the web. So that's PDFs, HTML, social media, um, and they pull it all together uh, by working with an industry partner for their capstone project. Uh, okay, um, I want to hear more about those in a minute here. But, uh, first of all, how did how did this go? How did Mohawk College um first get into the accessible media program in the first place? That's a great question. So in the journalism program, it's our three-year journalism program, we've got awarded a grant through the Broadcast Accessibility Fund to create a course in the second year of the program for students to learn how to create accessible content. And so I put together a one semester, 14-week course where uh, three hours a week, we were talking about accessibility. And we're just kind of touching on each of the subjects. It was really just the tip of the iceberg. <clears throat> but the program, the, the course got so much attention and so many people were asking if they could take that course. And because we were just really touching on the topics, we weren't able to dive deep into some of the subjects. And this is a really growing field. And so from there, we thought, well, maybe this is a program that people would like to attend as a certificate. And so we developed the um, graduate certificate program out of it. Uh, and how long has that, how long has that program been um, running now? So the journalism program has been, I think it's going into its sixth year and we are just entering 
in our fifth cohort this September for the graduate certificate program. So we're just graduating our fourth cohort this June. Okay. Um, that would be, that would make sense why I, I attended the accessible media workshop a few weeks ago. More, more on that in a, in a minute here, but I, I'm curious on, on your, on your background, like, did you, did, did this program really come, come, come from you or where, where did that come from? Yeah, so I've been at the college for almost 11 years now. And one yeah. of the opportunities I did, I, I was in accessible learning services, supporting students with academic accommodations. Yeah. But then I had the opportunity to um, take on the AODA or the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act project manager position to support the college to ensure that they were meeting the legislation requirements and in that position, I recognized that there was no training for individuals to learn how to meet the legislative requirements. So when I had the opportunity to develop the course for the journalism program, I jumped at the chance and it's just been a really great journey in order to see the graduates of our, our program go on to um, some really impressive positions and supporting accessibility and moving the agenda forward and reducing barriers. Uh, what, what kind of barriers have you seen reduced from, from the graduates in your program? So our program really focuses on information and communication technologies. And so really looking at creating accessible content, um, making websites accessible. One of our students just worked with the Hamilton Street Rail or Hamilton HSR for their mobile app to make sure that individuals can access the content on a mobile device yeah. so that they can use the, the, the transportation, the buses. Um, so that's really, really great opportunities to ensure that yeah. those barriers are removed. Yeah. Um, more, I'm sure we get, I'm sure we'll get into more of this later in the show, but first of all, what has been your, your biggest surprise working on this program? Oh, my biggest surprise, you know what, it's not really a surprise, I think it's more of a surprise for the students is just how welcoming and um, supportive the accessibility community is. Um, I've always known that the disability community, the accessibility community are such great people. But I think the students are always surprised at how willing 
people are to talk and help and support them through their learning process. Yeah. We do we do end user testing in our program where we work with members of the disability community to ensure that the products that we're creating to be accessible are fully accessible. And the students, I think that's their their biggest um, joy from the whole program is being able to sit down and chat with and and hear from members of the disability community and those that will benefit from the accessibility of the products. Um, yeah, because I find me being, me being in, in the space that I am, I, I don't really see a lot of people doing doing a lot for accessibility. So I think we do need more so this program is absolutely crucial. Um um but I wonder what have have there been any negative feedback you started or has it all been positive feedback from the community? You're on mute, by the way. I think so. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I think um, some of the, some of the, I, I don't know if I'd say it's negative feedback, but I think it's just frustration from the disability community at how slow it is to, to see change for accessibility yeah. that we have, we have the legislation in place, um, but organizations aren't responding or meeting their legislative requirements. And I truly think that everybody wants to, they just don't know how to, or they're not aware that they have to. And so I think people get frustrated with how long it takes to get things accomplished. Um, and honestly, if I had my way, we wouldn't even have this graduate certificate program. Accessibility would be integrated into the programs right from the beginning. So we're teaching students how to caption after they've come out of their programs, but captioning should be part of all television broadcasting programs. It should maybe even be introduced in high school when students start to learn to make videos. When oh. they start to develop websites, you know, they should be learning to make them accessible right from the beginning. That, that is an excellent point. Um, uh, why, do, why don't you think that is the case? Um, um, how can we make that change? You know, I, I'm a member of the Accessibility Committee for um, Post-Secondary Education Standards Development Committee. So we're looking at, at with our K-12 um, colleagues, looking at creating an, an additional standard under the AODA. And we've had this conversation a number of times about how do we how do we change systemic barriers in the education system to ensure that accessibility is considered as part of the framework and rather than an afterthought. And education is really 
the way that we we feel is the best way to approach it. So educating faculty, educating teachers, educating administrators and support staff on the need for accessibility. Our population has over 22 million people in Canada that identify as having a disability. And as our population ages, as our population ages, disability numbers grow. And so at one point in time, we're all going to benefit from an accessible or an inc inclusive design. And so we're really trying to promote um, the importance of accessibility for everybody and really looking at usability, making everything usable for everybody. Get, getting, getting away from the media for, for a bit because I can tell you, I can tell you about uh, accessibility in general. So I want to ask you this, why is accessibility such a That's a good question, Danny. Um, I think that for a lot of people, they don't see how accessibility would benefit them. They think it's it's somebody else's problem. And you know, I've heard um, David Onley spoke one time about the accessibility of restaurants, and the restaurateur had said, "Well, we don't get many people with wheelchairs in here." It's like, well, of course you don't, because you're not accessible. Yeah. Um, and, and until they realize the financial benefits of being accessible, that business case for why accessibility would benefit them, <clears throat> what their return on their investment is, or how it would be, you know, how that could have a positive impact both financially and culturally on that organization, I think it's very hard to change that mindset. It's very refreshing to see organizations like Microsoft and Apple and Google really put accessibility to the forefront and make it embedded within their products rather than being an afterthought or an add-on. Mm -hmm. Microsoft has really taken a proactive lead. Um, they just had their accessibility summit and you know, rather than the accessibility checker being something that you have to go and find, it's now being moved to right beside the spell check, right? Like it's it's becoming yeah. much more prominent. And I think that it takes larger organizations to lead the way. I mean, Apple has embedded voiceover and Siri into their products and they just come with their products, which is fantastic. You don't have to go out and buy something else. And I think that mentality of really these big organizations showing that this builds community, this builds profits, this is the right thing to do, hopefully will have um, a larger impact culturally in reducing the stigma and the need for um, accessibility as an afterthought, but about accessibility as a, a baked in part of their product. And hopefully organizations will start to see that and start doing that within their their own business as well. So um so I'm I'm gonna get 
get back to the program shortly, but tell me a bit more about Jennifer uh, herself. How did you get involved in accessibility in the first place? And I think you touched on it briefly, but tell me a bit more. Sure, yeah. So I actually started off my education in computer science and math, and I didn't feel it was a good fit for me. And at the time I was taking sign language classes, so I really pivoted and I um, went to Sheridan College to become a sign language interpreter. Turns out I really wasn't very good at it. So, um, I kind of, I found this really niche area where I could combine my love of technology and computers with communication. And I um, became a speech therapist in the field of augmentative and alternative communication and working to support individuals uh, to improve their communication. Um, so that was really the area I pursued. And then I, I went on and I got um, uh, my degree from California State University Northridge or CSUN. And CSUN is one of the um, largest, well, they hold the largest assistive technology conference. And there I, I really pursued my love of assistive technology. And so I got, went on to get my master's degree and um, I had worked in the field of speech therapy for a number of years, predominantly with assistive technology. And that's how I um, came to Mohawk to support students at the college who had communication um, disabilities, like who were deaf or blind or who used assistive technology to ensure that they were getting proper academic accommodations. Um, and again, what <laughs> I sound like a broken record, but what what when you first got the Mohawk, what was your what was your biggest surprise when you got there? Um, did you find that did you find that they were receptive? I would say that I've seen a huge shift in the last decade. I think that the college and colleges in general have really embraced accessibility. And, you know, Mohawk is very proactive. They have um, in our Center for Teaching and Learning, they have a Universal Design for Learning curriculum consultant and Universal Design for Learning is being embraced. And that's looking at how do we reduce the need for academic accommodations to ensure that all students are accommodated. And I, I think that's been a really positive move and I'm really pleased with overall accessibility. I think initially people thought that in order to accommodate somebody, they had to make big changes. And with universal design for learning, it's a really great approach where, you know, if, if one student benefits from additional time on a test, maybe all students could benefit from some additional time. If a few students need their notes in advance, well, let's make them available to everybody. 
And yeah. so it's really about, you know, that shift in, in our mindset that yeah. we can support learning, really uh, take it more to humanizing how we're teaching. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Um, tell me a bit more about the program in the corner, in the cornerstone project. Like what? What is that all about? Yeah, so in the program, each student does a capstone project. And the capstone project runs throughout the full eight months. In the first few weeks, the students um, select an industry partner. So that could be somebody that they already work for. So their employer could be their industry partner. Or it may be somebody that's approached the program. So an industry that is looking for support or help or we seek out employers, depending on the student's area of interest. And then together with their industry partner, they identify an accessibility problem. So that might be um, a mobile app, it might be their website, it might be their documents, it might be training. So there's lots of different areas that the organization might like the student to focus on. And then throughout the whole program, each course and we run a sequential delivery that means the students only take one course at a time and so in each of their classes an assignment is um, aligned with their capstone project so for yeah. example their first course is disability legislation and one of the assignments they have to do is a legislative overview and business case for their industry partner. So they have to see what legislation their industry partner is required to meet, looking at the AODA, maybe the Accessible Canada Act, maybe going more international. And then they have to build a business case. So why should this organization become accessible? What's in it for them? And then each of the following courses have an assignment that's aligned to their industry partner. So by the time they get to their second semester, they've done all of their evidence-based research, and then they can start doing their applied research. And this is where they start applying their knowledge. So they draft a solution to address that problem, and then put together a solution and an accessible media project at the end yeah. to showcase their skills. Yeah, and as a teacher, um, where in the program, where have you seen the biggest shift? Is it at the middle or is it at the end of the program? Like where has, where has the student really said, aha, this is a big problem i think there's a few areas where i've seen that with students a lot of students that come into the program they have an idea in their head of what they think accessibility is and then as they go through the program they're like oh there's a lot more to this than i thought there was i know yeah. that when you know they, when they get to the inclusive writing course and we talk about writing for plain language, that usually surprises students and they see the bigger impact there. But by the time they get to 
um, assistive technologies and they look at how people are accessing and engaging online with their assistive technologies, that's another real eye opener for them of not only the challenges and the barriers that are in the way of people for people, but um, how easy it is to to avoid those barriers and challenges. But I think the biggest impact for the students and their real aha moment is when they do their end user testing, when they get to sit down and work with members of the disability community and hear their voice and see their challenges. Yeah. I think that's really one of the biggest moments. And then when they pull it all together for their capstone showcase, they see the culmination of all of their work and their hard efforts, and it all kind of comes together. So I always say, you have to trust us on this journey. We'll get you where you need to be. But until they get to pull it all together and then they go, ah, now I get it. Because <laughs> yeah. they get to see all of the impact. Absolutely. And maybe I'll tell you a bit more about Rick when we're when we're done with the show, if you have it, but I, I'm part of the, part of accessibility, um, um, uh, 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 we work with accessibility a lot and, um, uh, taking research with the University and I I'm I'm shocked by the amount of research that they do because I I really don't think it's necessary because if you if you really want to know something about a disability you just need to spend time with someone with a disability, you don't have to do a bunch of research first. You just have to spend time with someone with a disability and then go from there. Would you, would you agree? Absolutely. I think inclusive design and the importance of co-design and having people with disabilities involved and engaged in the research aspect is so important to having a full understanding. Many of our students in the program, I would say probably 70 to 80% of our students identify as having a disability and having their voice and having their participation. And, and we seek out members of the disability community. So in all aspects of our applied research, we have that perspective. And I think that's invaluable. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there a, a certain area in the world where you would where, where you would like to see more accessibility or accessible? media get, get more recognition or more, uh, more, where it's not so taboo again? Yeah, I think that um, 
COVID has really brought to light that online content and access to the internet is not just a want, but a need. And the need for that to be accessible to everyone is absolutely a priority that we need to make. An area that I think hasn't gotten the proper attention, um, but I'm pleased to see the Accessible Canada Act has made it a priority, is yeah. in writing for plain language. I yeah. think that a lot of the information, even if you can access it, a large percentage of our population might not understand what's being shared. And yeah. that's one area that the AODA hasn't um, doesn't have a standard on yet. Um, but the Accessible Canada Act, which came into effect June 2019, is making one of their first standards and their first priorities. So that's definitely an area that I would like to see um, be more developed. Yeah. Um, wait, how, wait, I, I hate the same question over and over. But how how can how can we get there so so people out in the community huh why do we need why do we need accessible media or accessible anything like why do you think accessibility is so you know, when we look at the statistics, one in five people in Canada identify as having a disability. And as we age, those numbers are only going to grow. Accessibility is not, not about disability. Accessibility is about usability and making things more usable for everybody. For example, if you were to take your cell phone and go out and want to look at a website in the bright sunshine, if there isn't good color contrast on the web page, that's going to be very difficult for you to do. If you are, you know, somebody who, you know, is juggling multiple things like work and, and whatnot, you don't have a lot of time to sit down and really attend to the content. So having it being written in plain language and very clear and easy to read and comprehend makes your life so much easier. So having things being created properly is really not, you know, about how do we serve, you know, that one in five people, but it's how do we serve everybody and accessibility is really about everybody. You know, how many times do, do people use the automatic door pusher on a door because their hands are full or use the closed captioning because they're in a quiet environment and can't have the audio playing or they're in a loud environment and they can't hear the audio. Yeah. Accessibility yeah, um, benefits everybody. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't see it that way, do they? Hmm. Uh, yeah, um, I, I'm shocked by the amount of people that I run into and say, hey, you need to be more accessible and, and uh, they are like, why we don't care to people with disabilities, so why would we 
become more accessible before you don't cater to people with disabilities. And I had like, excuse me? Like, honestly, like, it That's just, awful, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, so I, anyway, Jennifer, I'm, I, I want to get your opinion on something and I, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are, but that is, that is uh, about accessibility on TV. And what I really want to get your opinion on is why, why do you think there are so many disability shows on TV right now, but they don't, but they don't, but they don't hire people with disabilities to play those roles. Yeah, I think that like, that's a really good topic. And I talk to our students a lot about accurate representation yeah. of disabilities. Yeah. And, um, and it always brings up a really great conversation with the students. As I said, many of my students in the program are um, members of the disability community and identify as disabled individuals. And so we have a conversation about that need for accurate representation. And shows like Crip Camp and Speechless and a few others are doing a fantastic job of, of demonstrating um, accurate representation of the disability community and positive portrayals of individuals. And then other ones, and I, I don't remember the name of the CM movie, um, but they're receiving backlash because they're not demonstrating accurate representation. You know, could you find an actor that has autism that could accurately portray an autistic person? Yes, of course you could. Um, you know, and and movies, I don't know the name of the movie again, I apologize, but um, I think it's Anne Hathaway plays a witch and um, mm. they, showed, they show body disfigurement to portray um, evil or, or mean. Yeah. And yeah. It, is that a requirement? You know, like that's not a body positive, that's not accurate representation that, you know, that has nothing to do with personality or, or whatnot. And what's yeah. really great to see is that the disability community is, is fighting back, right? And, and people are saying, this is not okay. And it, it's impacting their box offices. It's impacting, um, they're getting a lot of negative press from it. And so I hope that that continues and I hope things like Crip Camp and Speechless and TV shows that show positive disability uh, representation will be seen more of and, and seen yeah. as an important and valuable um, broadcasting. Yeah, I, I, was, I was watching, um, like, I was watching some episodes of Glee the other day and I was like, I was, I know that show is 
over now, but I was like, why the, why the heck are they, why the heck are they making this evil character uh, if they don't play, if they don't get a disability actor to play it? It just doesn't make sense. I think if you want to make shows about disabilities, um, you should get a disability actor to play them. And you know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, like Artie in the wheelchair is not a wheelchair user. Yeah. And, you know, like, it, it wouldn't have been hard to find a wheelchair user to play no, that no. role, but they did a nice job in casting. I can't, can't remember her name. She's such a cutie. Amy, she's the, the cheerleader uh, who has Down yeah. syndrome. Be Becky. Becky. Yeah. I think the actress is, is Amy. Um, and, and they did a, a fantastic job of casting yeah. her, right? Like it's a I real dichotomy. I actually met her a few years back in, in person, and she's absolutely fantastic. Her name is Lauren, by the way. That's it. It's Lauren. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Lauren Potter, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, just, I just think the whole world would be a lot better if they would if they would get to what they know and if they want to do a disability show fine but hire someone with a disability to put play those roles you would get a lot more of an accident so, um, anyway, um, can you, we're going, we're going backwards here, but you, you keep, you keep bringing it up, so I want to address it. Can you, can you explain what, what playing what playing language is and how it's helpful? Yeah, so plain language is, it's taking complex information and making it more readable for the, a wider audience. So taking, you know, complex terminology, acronyms, and really breaking it down and yeah. not only using words that are easier to comprehend, but organizing it and structuring it in yeah. a way that is easy to grasp. So rather than big, long blocks of paragraphs, having lists or columns, having it organized with proper heading structure so that people can read it and consume it and find the information that they need in an easier, more readable manner. Yeah. Um, and and do again, do you think that do you think that we're, we're a long 
becoming normal or are we um, almost there? You know, I think that as it becomes um, more well known and on people's radar, I think it's it's being used more. So the government is definitely um, a leader in that area. And some organizations have really embraced plain language. Um, other areas are still struggling a little bit with that, how to, how to take complex information and make it consumable. But I think they're, they're now seeing the benefits of that. So places like banks, um, insurance companies, they're really seeing the benefits of having information presented in a very clear, non-jargon-filled um, way. So, yeah, yeah so that it, it, it just makes it more successful for everybody. But it's, it's a real skill and it's a challenge. And so yeah. learning how to write in plain language um, is definitely something that our graduates benefit from. Uh, okay. I I don't I don't want to forget your comment so um I'll do that now um can you explain to me what if someone is uh, thinking of going into your program what what is the biggest thing that they should expect for you to keep them? Oh, it's interesting because I just met with the outgoing cohort and I asked them, you know, what are your takeaways from this program? And they all had something different to say. Everybody was taking away some information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, it really depends on the individual and what they're coming into the program with, like what their previous experience is yeah. and, and where they're taking it. So some of our students are like working full time, but their employer has sent them to the program and they're yeah. applying their skills at work. And that's really interesting to see. We had a student with the city of Woodstock who, um, went through our program and is now making, you know, her website and social media uh, and documents accessible. Um, what is their biggest takeaway? I think that I always say to the students, we start discussing disability and obviously we're going to move to accessibility, but I really hope that we get to usability that we wanna make information and communication technologies usable for everybody. And that that starts with building it right from the beginning and not having to go in and retrofit something. When yeah. we have to retrofit something, it's ugly, it's more expensive and it yeah. takes time. But if we do it right from the beginning, one aspect of our program is an entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship course. And an entrepreneur is somebody that goes within an existing organization and supports them to be accessible right from the beginning. And being that change maker and that disruptor and having to change people's mindsets, I think is probably what maybe all of the students come away with is that we've changed their mindset. We've changed how they look at 
disability and, and truly understand what usability is? Um, yeah, and um, I, I, I have spoke with one of your graduates on the, on the program before because I was gonna have you on the show uh, a few years ago, um, and you can you can make it unfortunately like you said, but I was fortunate enough to talk to one of your graduates, Devin Kirchhink, and he said that program was extremely helpful for her. Um, if, if you wouldn't mind, what, what was your biggest takeaway from when, when she did the program? You cut off at the last part there. What was my biggest takeaway from? When, when she, when, when Devin did the program. I th you know, it's funny because I'm actually working on a project with Devin right now. She is our um, technical lead for um, a grant that we're working on. And one of the things that Devin has indicated was, again, and, and I know I've touched on it, and, I, and I'm sorry to repeat myself, but it's in that... No, that, that, that afterthought, that accessibility is an afterthought. Devin's a graduate of our television broadcasting program. And I know it always amazes her that she didn't learn any of these things in that three-year program, that we're not teaching how to write for description or how to integrate description into our, our productions, how we're not captioning our content, how we're not showing disability representation. And all of it is then an afterthought. And so that's one of Devin's real strengths is that she brings to um, her experiences in the production media production now is that she has that full um, skill set that she can embed yeah. accessibility right from the very beginning. And that's what makes her a real asset to a project. Yeah. And, and what, what have, um, other, other than Devin, do you, um, do you have one of your favorite students that you're like, wow, um, what, what, what they be, became because of this program? Would you be able to share that with me? Danny, it's like my children. I can't pick a favorite. They're mm. all my favorites. Um, and mm. if they watch this, I hope they felt that way. Um, oh, honestly, I'm not sure I could narrow it down. I could talk about all of them. Our program well, is quite small. So well, just name a few and we'll, we'll go, we'll go We'll go to them one by one for a few, a few minutes. 
Okay, how about we, we highlight maybe some of the um, capstone projects this year and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about a few of them. One okay. of the students, um, Rachel Brown, did a fantastic job. Her industry partner was AMI and she was looking at how do we ensure our described video, the blind, is written with high quality. And through her research, she put together a social media campaign that is hashtag DV and me. And it's the Twitter handle DV quality. And she did a really fantastic job of bringing to light the need for quality description. Where another, where another student, Diana was, uh, Zanin was working with Lakeshore Media Services on writing for description and the importance of the language and terminology we use to ensure respectful and um, uh, truthful language that represents the community it's speaking about. And she put together an amazing guide on how we write. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mentioned Nick, he's doing the, he did the HSR mobile app. Kevin Wu did a fantastic project with Ubisoft on the importance and how we produce gaming for sightless players. So he put together a great resource. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could go on. All of the students are so amazing. Well, well, I have, uh, I don't know if I can announce this, but, but I, um, I have one of my partners who is joining your, your next co cohort of graduates because her, her employees after the Kegra Accessible Media Program you go, you get to meet her. Her name is Jessica Gaylord and she's Absolutely fantastic. Nice. Well, I look forward to meeting Jessica. Yeah. Um, she's, she's been absolutely fantastic on editing my videos and um, putting, putting those together. And she, she's been working with accessible media a lot in the in her other work so she's actually coming and joining you in the in the next cohort so you you have you have a, a mutual thing to talk about already so that's fantastic yeah um so um Again, before we wrap up, um, if someone if someone is interested in taking the accessible media program, um, what? How do they go about it, and what? What is the 
top five things that you teach them. So if they're interested in attending the program, I have two information sessions coming up. One is this Thursday, May 27th at 7 p.m. The second is June 22nd at noon. And they can find all of that information on our website at www.mohawkcollege.ca forward slash 390. 390 is our program code. Um, the top five things that they, they learn in our program, oh, they learn document accessibility, web and social media accessibility, writing for inclusion, captioning, description, and uh, assistive technology. Let's go with those top five things. But there's so much more to it. And at any point in time, anybody is welcome to contact me at my email address, which is jennifer.yonke, J-A-H-N-K-E, at mohawkcollege.ca. Um, uh, uh, great information. Um, one more thing that I was going to ask you about is, um, you know, on the news, when when people are, are speaking a different language, but they have subtitles at the bottom, uh, how how hard would it be to to um uh, put voiceover on top of that and and um, why don't you think the TV stations do that on a regular basis? I'm curious. So it's always important that individuals hear the original speaker so that they understand the dialect, the culture, the nature of the, in, the show that's going on. Yeah. Subtitles are a little bit different than captioning. Subtitles are for a translation of an alternative language and they're for sighted viewers. If the show has audio description or described video, then the described video um, will read out the subtitles because it's described video is for individuals who are blind or low vision. And so they, they need to read out the subtitles. in opinions over the importance of hearing it in the natural language yeah. and that that was the way it was created it was created in that natural language and people want to see it in its um, original source and so the subtitles don't take away from because subtitles don't and, and somebody reading the subtitles they don't um, 
they don't share the the inflection or the passion or the tone or the quality of the original actor or speaker and and so hearing that in its native or original context is really important for a lot of of audience members um, describe video it tries to convey some of that but it still tries not to overshadow the original content so that it's not my area of expertise by any means um, and i think that that's probably a great discussion for um, some of the experts in that field yeah uh, absolutely um what 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 would get final final question here Jennifer, what would your message be to someone who's about to take the program and what, uh, what would your message be to someone who is shy about accessible media or accessible accessibility? I think you have two questions there. So I'm going to answer them yeah. separately. The first one, what, what would I say to somebody that's shy about taking it or uncertain? I would say that accessibility touches every aspect of every field. It doesn't yeah. matter what your background is. It, accessibility will have an impact in it. And that this is a really growing field that we're at the cusp of so many different pieces of legislation coming into effect. And so this is a really growing field, um, both socially, but um, economically as well. There's, there is a lot of work in this field. To answer your second question, what would I say to somebody that is coming into the program? I would say that you're only going to get out of the program what you put into the program. The program is very difficult. It's a very intense program. We have it as an executive delivery because we anticipate that students are coming into the program as working professionals and are juggling multiple things in their lives. So each course is only three weeks, but that's a fairly quick three week turnaround. You have to stay on top of the work and you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. So if you don't put much into it, you're not going to get much out of it. And each of the courses scaffold. Once you learn a concept, you then are expected to apply it. So if you don't learn it, you're not going to be able to move forward and, and apply that learning. So as soon as you learn how to create an accessible document, every document you submit after that has to be fully accessible. When you learn to you know, how to close caption, there's going to be videos that you're expected to create that need yeah. to be captioned. So that's kind of my advice for students. And, and I, I asked my the current graduates, what would what advice would you give students leaving, you know, coming into this program? And yeah. that's very similar to what they had said. Uh, absolutely. Um, one more. Sorry, my audience. I have one more question and then we'll end the show here. Is there a certain area of media where you think accessibility needs more attention? I mean, I'm, I'm completely biased. 
Mm. Um, so when I say this, understand that, that that's my, my frame of view, but I mm. think our education system, I think COVID has really shone a spotlight on the barriers for students to access content at home and that teachers aren't prepared to deliver accessible online content um, in a way that meets all students' needs. And so I, I definitely think education is an area that needs a lot more attention in accessibility. And I'm hopeful that when the education standards comes out, it, it's expected to come out soon for review that people give their input, give their feedback and, and give it the attention it needs because education is you know, the cornerstone of success in our economy and the more well-educated our students are, I think the more successful our overall country will be. And so I'm, I know I'm biased as an educator, but I think education is an area we need to put a lot more emphasis on. Do, do, you, have, do you have any final, uh, final words before we let you go that you want to yeah, you know what, I think that even if you're just interested in learning more about accessibility in general, there's lots of resources out there. Mohawk is a really great program. And obviously, I'm, I, I created it, I'm a huge advocate yeah. for it. But there's lots of other opportunities out there. There's lots of free workshops, lots of free webinars. Um, in Hamilton, we have the A11Y H-A-M or Ali Ham meetup group. It meets monthly and is a free meetup group where you can meet with other members of the disability and accessibility community to talk about inclusion and the importance of digital accessibility. It's right now it's completely virtual. Um, hopefully we'll be able to meet again in person one day, but even participating in a meetup group, there's there's meetup groups all over, you know, our country and the US and um, the Alley TO has a, a camp coming up that's free at the end of May um, with lots of great speakers. So I just encourage people to take a moment and um, seek out some resources to learn about how they can make, you know, their content accessible. It's, it's oftentimes just little things they, they need to do. And um, that would make a huge impact on a lot of people. Um. Great message, Jennifer. Jennifer. So, thank you for coming on the show and and sharing it with us, Jennifer. Yogi, thank you so much. And can you can you give give out your contact information one more time? Yeah, you can reach me at jennifer.yonke, J-A-H-N-K-E, at mohawkcollege.ca, or you can find more about the program on mohawkcollege.ca forward slash 390. Uh, Jennifer Yonke, thank you so, so much for joining us on Possibilities today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate you asking again. I'm so glad I got to be here today. Yeah.
Thank you, and we will be right back after working at a great conversation with Jennifer Gallagher. Um, so much um, useful information on there. So if, if you have any questions, you can email her at jennifergeorgie at, at mohawkcollege.ca and if you have any, any questions about the accessible media program, you can find more information about her program at, at, at mohawkcollege.ca um, slash 590. So, um, and if you want to get in contact with me, you can reach out to me at possibilities show at, at gmail.com and I will be happy to hear any feedback from you or ideas from the show or anything like that. So thank you much very much for being here and until next time keep the dis uh, disability and we'll see you next time bye for now this episode of possibilities is dedicated to angela armstrong a fan of possibilities. All, all of us at Possibilities want to wish Angela well as she goes through her health challenges. We hope you recover fast and hope, hope that Possibilities gives you something to look forward to when you're having a bad day. Thank you so much for watching and we really appreciate your support. Uh, stay, stay well and stay safe.